the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel William. Excited to be with you once again. And uh, we've been getting real these last episodes. Last episode, we talked about serving Jesus while struggling. We all struggle. Even you, church leader, you go through discouragement. You even go through depression. And what do we do? How do we overcome these things and still be faithful to the call that God has given us? Today we're going to talk about pastoral depression. Now many of you may not be pastors. Maybe it could just be um, you know, dealing with depression, but I specifically wanted to hit pastoral depression. Uh, even recently in the news of the last month, we've seen pastors even committing suicide, going through stuff, and many times this is because we feel we are not uh, we're all alone. There's no community around us. And I want to let you know that when you're struggling, when you're going through things, it's so important to do it through community. That we as church leaders get discouraged. And even as pastors, senior pastors, we get discouraged. We actually go through seasons of depression. Uh, we deal with things that are very emotionally hard. And it is okay to address it, to deal with it, and to go for it. And we need to understand there is hope in our discouragement, in our depression, in this great cloud. Sometimes we can have hard seasons uh, that last a long time, but there are people for us to go to, to get help, to be able to have prayer, that when we confess um, our struggles with one another in community, it actually brings healing and hope. And so I wanted to ask my friend Ben Corson to speak about this. Uh, he is the director of the Hope Generation. Um, he travels all over the world beating uh, one um, topic is hope. Uh, he's the one-man band speaking all about hope. And uh, I asked him one time, Ben, why do you always just speak on hope? And he said, listen, I was depressed. I've gone through things. And he'll stare in his story. He's lost a sister. His, you know, He's dealt with death, the, the heart ache of, of going through a divorce, all these different things in his life, uh, his short-lived life. But yet, God freed him and God gave him joy and gave him hope. And he wants to tell people that with God, nothing is impossible and he will get you through it, that you will go through periods of valleys. And even though you walk through the valley, the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil because God is with you. And so when he was here in Delray Beach, um, we were doing ministry together and I just asked him, hey, would you be able to speak on pastoral depression? I want you to just share your struggle your background, your history, give us a testimony and help us to see hope. Oftentimes when we go through things, we need to know we're not alone and we need to have other people come alongside to pray for us and encourage us with the truth. And I hope that this is what Ben does for us today. Uh, we need to address it, we need to face it, and we need to know that God is in the midst of our suffering, of our pain, of our brokenness, of the season of depression even, pastoral depression, uh, we need to address it. We need to face it. And so here is Ben Corson talking about this very issue. Hey guys, I'm Ben Corson, the founder of Hope Generation and Daniel's really good friend. And we've been sending it so hard today. We've been eating fruit snacks. We just came from Miami. I ate grilled cheese on the kids menu because I'm a vegetarian when Daniel took me to the burger place. So basically we've just maximum sent it to eternity and beyond. 
Now, I'm so excited to do Leadership Lessons podcast with Daniel. He puts feet to his faith, wheels on it, legs on it. He actually lives what he preaches. And I think that's so important because um, the word hypocrite, hypocrites, literally means one who answers. And it was in the context of a play. So it was one who would answer in dialogue, like you had your answer ready in dialogue, you had your script and you would play act for people. And that's all being a hypocrite is. Whereas conversely, uh, Daniel lives like genuinely true to his message. And the word belief comes from Germanic origins, the German origin by life. That's where we get our word belief in English from by life in German. And what you believe comes out by your life. And it's not faith and works, it's faith that works. That's what the book of James is about. And Daniel's works come out because of his faith. He's not the hypocritus one who answers. He's rather living out his belief by his life. So all that to say, that was a long intro to how excited I am to just team up with Daniel and be here for this podcast. I want to talk to you uh, about pastoral depression. (laughs) It's taboo. People don't really talk about it very much because pastors aren't supposed to be depressed, right? I was recently doing a TV interview about this where the host literally asked me, aren't pastors supposed to be happy all the time? And the reason I was called into this interview was because a pastor in San Diego recently killed himself. This is an epidemic and it's heartbreaking and it's heart-wrenching. And how do we deal with depression as, as people in leadership positions? Well, fortunately, this is something that I can talk about not as hear my words, but touch my wounds. This isn't something that I can merely speak about theoretically, but I can speak in in regards to sympathy and empathy uh, with respect to this subject because I went through 10 years of chronic depression while I was in the ministry. So I gave my first message in third grade, full-time pastor at 18, and then for about 10 years from the time I was beginning ministry till a few years ago, I went through this just intense chronic depression. I would actually go up to the top of like really tall parking structures and walk on the railing like a tightrope, pushing the very envelope of life itself toward one wrong step would cause me to plummet to my potential death. And I would do things that were literally courting death. I was like inviting death. I was so depressed, even in the ministry. Um, I would take my friend's rocket and I would ride his, his, his rocket and I didn't even know how to ride motorcycles on the street, but I wouldn't have a helmet and I would just ride it as fast as I could Uh, even though I didn't have any experience riding a a street bike and I was like inviting death into my, into, into my, you know, reality. I actually took him a knife once to kill myself. So this isn't like playing around. This is real, real intense stuff. And what I find so, so heartbreaking is that sometimes pastors think that they're doing something wrong when they're depressed. But I think what people fail to remember is that the greatest Bible characters were often depressed. Job said, I abhor myself. And he he literally said he wished he was a stillborn and he was the most righteous man in the East. Elijah could face 850 prophets of Baal in the groves and he could be at the pinnacle of popularity encountering any enemy. But when it came to one angry woman named Jezebel chasing him in a chariot, it led him to a cave. And I love what happened in the cave. God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, what, what are you doing here? Because sometimes we sit in our man cave. We draw the blinds. You know, we listen to Death Cab for Cutie. We let our hair fall on our face. And God says, what are you doing in your man cave? That's what he said to Elijah. What are you doing here? But Elijah said, 
I wish that you would take my life. I wish that I would die. Jonah, same thing, led the greatest revival in Old Testament history. You remember he went, uh, I believe it was 4,500 miles in the opposite direction. Actually, I forget how many miles it was. In the opposite direction of where God called him to go. And Jonah was there uh, preaching to Nineveh after the whale delivered him to the shore because Dagon was the chief deity of the Assyrian capital city of Nineveh and it was a fish god. So when a fish spewed him out, everyone would think, oh, this is a prophet of Dagon because Dagon's the fish god. But actually it was a prophet of Yahweh when they would have said, no way, he leads this huge revival in Assyria, greatest in the Old Testament history. It was like George Whitfield, John Wesley, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, Deal Moody. I mean, it was a massive awakening. But after this happened, he was sleeping under a gourd and when a worm ate his plant, he literally said, God, I wish I was dead. So here's the greatest revivalist in the Old Testament and he wanted to die. David himself had to encourage himself in the Lord. You read the Psalms, they are prayers and Psalms and praises that do not shrink away from the painful perspectives. Like he went through incredible heartache and heartbreak as well. Um, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, three times in two chapters, one refrain is repeated where the psalmist says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. So he actually had to speak to his own soul, why are you cast down? And I like to talk to myself. Sometimes I just will actually speak to my own self. And if you want to do this, you should put a Bluetooth in your ear so people don't think you're crazy. They'll just think you're talking on the phone. <laughs> but the psalmist would say, why are you cast down, O my soul? He would suffer depression. And... And, and what I want to encourage you with is historically, some of the greatest leaders struggled with depression. Buzz Aldrin, who walked in space longer than any human in history up to that point, the second man on the moon, a legendary astronaut, he went through clinical depression. C.H. Spurgeon, after he'd preach on Sunday mornings as the prince of preachers spitting gold with a golden throat and silver tongue, it's Sunday afternoons he would suffer what he coined the preacher's fainting fits. And he too, when he was suffering gout, his foot disease, after preaching Sunday morning, would get trapped in his head and he also would get incredibly depressed. Um, Abraham Lincoln would walk in the woods by himself after he was heartbroken in a romantic relationship, tempted to commit suicide. Winston Churchill, when he was uh, offered an, an apartment, a loft on an on a, a upper story, he said, I don't want uh, to live too high up because desperate thoughts do come in the head. What he was saying is, I don't want to live on the second or third story because I might be tempted to throw myself to throw myself off to my death. Some of the greatest characters in history, uh, when Anna Karenina was wrote, Leo Tolstoy, he suffered a great depression. Like these great characters in history went through this. So what I'm trying to say is, depression is not a sign of weakness. Sometimes it's a sign of strength, and we ask the Lord to remove it from us, but He might say. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness so that we will be able to empathize and sympathize with other people who've gone through it. Let me explain what I mean. The word sympathy comes from the Greek roots sin, pashin, sin, S-Y-N, like N-Sync, the boy band from the 90s, means together with, like when you sing in sync with somebody. Pashin is where we get the phrase, the Catholic rhetoric, passion of the Christ, which means suffering. Passion means suffering. So sin, pashin means you suffer in sync, you suffer together with somebody else. The Bible says that Jesus is our great high priest who can sin pashin, sympathize with our infirmities, and can be touched by our ailments. Now the word priest 
Uh, the Latin word is pontifex, and it means bridge builder, which means Jesus bridges the gap between God and man and shows that God would go to the ends of the earth, even across, to prove just how much he wants to relate to you and empathize with you. Again, in Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. The word for merciful in Greek is the word, or in Hebrew, because remember Jesus was speaking Aramaic when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, is the word chazed. And chazed literally means you get inside of another person to feel with their emotions, to think with their thoughts, and to see through their eyes. And no one can see the world clearly when his eyes are blurred by tears. And so he actually said, like, blessed are you if you can get inside of other people. So that's what the story of the incarnation is. The narrative arc of scripture is God is not some far off deity in an air conditioned room with high Wi-Fi getting fed grapes by his heavenly hosts. He actually knows what it's like to suffer the human experience, the passion. He sin passion suffers together with us and can empathize with us. And so he knows what it's like to see through our eyes, feel with our heart and walk in our sandals. And so if we've gone through depression, that makes us all the more relatable to other people. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God is the cause of your depression, that he isn't. I, I, it drives me bonkers and people are like, yeah, God made me sick because he's trying to teach me a lesson. When in all the gospel stories did Jesus give someone sickness? To teach them a lesson. That's not who he is. He images Jehovah Rapha, who is who, who? the God who heals. He wants to heal you. He, the Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted. The phrase of broken heart actually was invented by the Bible. So the phrase of broken heart traces the genesis of its origins back to ancient biblical Hebrew literature. So the author of the scriptures will be the finisher of your faith and he will heal your broken heart. In fact, Philippians 1 6 says, He who's begun a good work and you will be faithful to finish it. And the word finish, when it says carry forth to completion in Greek is telestai, the same word that Jesus used on the cross when he said te telestai, Paul hijacked that word and said as surely as Jesus carried his cross, the Father will carry forth your purpose through to telestai, to its finish, to its completion. So the author of this book will be the finisher of your faith. The one who invented the phrase of broken heart knows how to heal your broken heart. 900 times the Bible speaks of your heart as the sum, the seat, the center of who you are, the nexus of your emotional existence. And God will heal you. But here's what I want to tell you. What the enemy intends for evil, the Lord means for good, and that he can take your worst disadvantages and make them your greatest advantages. I know I'm speaking to like pastors and leaders here, so I don't have to necessarily plumb the deeps so I can kind of skim off the top of the story because you'll be aware of it. But remember the story of Ehud when he assassinated the wicked king of Moab, who is a very fat man, the Bible says, dominating Israel for 18 years. He was able to do so because he was left-handed. And back then, TSA palace security would usually only frisk your left hip because a right-handed guy draws the sword across his body. But Ehud was a southpaw, and so he drew his sword from the opposite hip. Therefore, he could sneak in without being frisked on his, on his right hip. So the point is this. In the Bible, there are three left-handed people. They all come from right, the right-handed tribe. They all come from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. <laughs> so all the Southpaws come from the right-handed tribe. And being a Southpaw back in the ancient Hebrew world was considered a curse. Yet Nehemiah says God can reverse the curse and turn it into a blessing. And what was Ehud's greatest weakness, him being a Southpaw, actually worked out for his greatest strength, where he could be like Recon, Delta, Navy SEAL Team 6, uh, DEFCON 1, go into the king's presence and assassinate him and accomplish this military coup de grace because his weakness became his strength. So we need to learn to own our oddness because our oddities are our commodities. And for me, my greatest weakness has been depression. And when God healed me from that, that enabled me to touch other people with my wounds rather than just my words. So 
if we are going to understand how to help people through depression, that might mean we go through it ourselves. Um, ultimately, I can theorize with people how they can be healed, but it's so much different when I can walk with them through it because I've been through it myself. And what I want to tell you is your worst disadvantages actually prove to be your advantages. Alfred Adler, at the turn of the 20th century, he, termed the, he coined the term inferiority complex, believed that man's psychological constitution was driven by power grabs. He did this study where he found that 70% of the art students that he researched had optical anomalies, and the greatest composers that he studied, Mozart, Beethoven, had ear degeneration. So that means the artists had eye problems and the musicians had ear problems, and yet those were their greatest strengths, art and music, which required the eye and the ear respectively. And what he found is that when you have a disadvantage, it causes you to pour more effort, energy, and focus into it. So then you give it so much attention, it actually develops into your greatest strength. In the same way, um, I think this is pretty interesting, fractal geometry is the mathematical equivalent of incomprehensibility theologically. It's also called infinite complexity philosophically, and it's, it's this. In geometry, we found that there are certain shapes that you can't dis discern their exact measurements a snowflake, a cloud, a shoreline. These are infinitely complex shapes. If you magnify a detail, it will only show more detail. And if you magnify that smaller detail, it will show even more detail ad infinitum. And that's how God is. Like you think you've discovered him when you say what David said, come magnify the Lord with me in the book of Psalms. But when you magnify him, there's infinitely complex character attributes to his persona that you can endlessly explore. The Bible says his greatness is unsearchable. So sometimes I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but when I look back, I'm like, wow, God, I see how you did it. Hindsight teaches me I can trust God with what's next and I can only connect the dots looking backwards. But in the moment, God might seem infinitely complex, but that makes him unfathomably worshipful. Paul said that you would know the height, width, breadth, length, depth, of the love of God, which passes knowledge. Like you might not understand why God's doing what he's doing in your life now, but you're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, that's why I went through that. For me, I didn't know why I was going through depression, but now I do. Now my major message has become hope. My greatest disadvantage has become my greatest strength. The fact that I went through depression now helps me help others through theirs. And so I want to give you some encouragement, nourishment <laughs> as you're feasting on this milk, meat, and manna. Give everything but up. Your breakdown is someone else's breakthrough. And I know that you might feel broken, but let me encourage you. Jesus promised in Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. There's this story of Elijah in the cave that I didn't mention, and that is the part the facet of the story that I find most fascinating is when Elijah was depressed and suicidal. It says that angels fed him and God himself spoke to him and ministered to him. That was when he was at his deepest peak of doubt. When he was at his height of prominence, when he was raising people from the dead and doing all these miracles, it says that a widow sustained him and ravens fed him. So when he was strong in faith, widow, a widow sustained him and ravens fed him. When he was going through depression, angels fed him and God himself sustained him. Which means that sometimes we experience God's providential care most thoroughly and completely, not when we're at our peak of faith, but when we're in our moment of greatest doubt and depression and defeat. That's when those turn around to our greatest strengths. Don't give up. 
everything's gonna be okay in the end. So if it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> That's the problem, like we judge the rest of our life on one current season. It's okay if you're not okay, it's just not okay if you stay that way. In the place that you've suffered the most painfully, that's where God wants to speak the most powerfully. Remember Job, a whirlwind killed his kids at the beginning of his book, and at the end of his book, it says God spoke out of a whirlwind. Do you see the symbiotic resonance there, the, the literary device the author's using? He's saying a whirlwind killed God, Job's kids at the beginning of Job's story, and at the very end of the book, when God spoke to him, he did so, the Bible says, out of a whirlwind. Because in the place that you've suffered most painfully, that is the place God speaks the most powerfully. But here's what's interesting. Everyone thinks Job got the short end of the straw and the bad end of the deal. They're like, oh man, like Job's life was terrible. But wait, Job 42 tells us that after Job's trouble doubled, he got double forced trouble and enjoyed his great grandkids for 140 years. That's what it says, 140 years. Scholars now tell us that Job's suffering lasted nine months. So nine months compared to 140 years is chump change. Those were a really bad nine months, but compared to 140 years of pure bliss, enjoying double for your trouble, reaping the benefits, it's but a light affliction compared to the weight of glory. It's but a momentary trial compared to the longevity of eternity, enjoying the 140 years of blessing. And our problem is we judge the rest of our life on this current season. This is a season. It shall pass. Just as we see all the time in the New Testament, it came to pass. Your storm did not come to stay, it came to pass, and the storm cannot take you where God cannot keep you. And while the wind and the waves could not wake up Jesus, the cry of human need could. And when you turn your cares into prayers, your stresses into supplications, your worries into worship, your panic into praise, your fear into faith in your Father, then peace will come. Don't give up, my friends. I went through 10 years of chronic depression. God healed me. He'll heal you too. Now use your weakness to touch others, and then you'll be able to share with them the comfort you've received from the God of all consolation, and you'll change the world. I love you guys. Peace. Well, man, this issue of pastoral depression is a hard one. Uh, it's a serious one. Um, and it's not just pastors. It's ministry leaders. Uh, it's people in our congregation. Uh, it's generational. It's old, young. Um, it's different, it goes across different races, different backgrounds. You can have a lot of money and still be depressed. And we all deal with these type of things. And so I'm so thankful that God meets us in our messes, meets us in the realness of life. And um, that we, as ministry leaders, as church leaders, when we get depressed, when we go through trials and struggles, uh, the Bible tells us to go to God, to run to Him. This is the beautiful thing about Psalms. We see the emotion, the realness of David, of going through depression, going through struggle, going through pain, uh, messed up expectations, um, and all these different things, and he's still able to go to God and find hope. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And I just want to encourage you, you need to go to God. Uh, yes, we need one another. We need community. We need to let uh, allow community to minister through us. That's how God works. But ultimately, we need to have an open heart to God when He speaks through community, when He speaks through nature, when He speaks through His Word. And this next one piece of advice I thought it would be appropriate to have David uh, from Christ Fellowship, Dave Shamil, uh, just share on spending time with Jesus. Man, we get so caught up, wrapped up in busyness of ministry and doing, doing, doing. And I just want to remind you, man, God loves you for you. It's not about your ministry size. It's not about if people come or don't come, attendance, any of those things. Uh, he loves you as a child. Before we're a servant, we are His children. 
to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And we can go to our Father and we could just be comforted and loved. And so I just want to encourage you, spend time with Jesus. This is Dave's one piece of advice. So solid, so good. And I hope that you're encouraged and reminded you can go to God even when you are depressed. Here's his one piece of advice. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. Hey, it is good to be with you. My name is Dave Samil. I'm a campus pastor at Christ Fellowship Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. And if I could give you one piece of advice today, if we were sitting together for a cup of coffee, I think the one thing that I would make sure that all leaders are doing is that they're stopping. I think there's so much in our culture today and pressure in church society that that we've got to produce. We've got to make sure that the results are coming in and things are happening. But one of my favorite texts of scripture uh, around the life of Jesus is the time that he stopped and he didn't go the direction that people were forcing him to go. It's found in Mark chapter 1 verse 35, a familiar text of scripture I'm sure for most of you church leaders, but it says, while it was still dark, Jesus rose early in the morning and he left the house and he went to a deserted place to pray. The son of God, had to stop and get away and be with his father. And I love that the story goes on that the disciples came to find him and said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. You need to come back to the house. You just did all those miracles last night. And Jesus said, no, I can't go that way. I've got to go another way. And I think if we don't pause in our life and commune with God and stop, that we're not going to hear the direction that he has for us. Lance Witt, one of my One of my favorite authors says this. He says, you can't live a hurried life without warping your soul. So one piece of advice this week is that you would stop, that you would take time to commune with God, that you would reject the lies about production and producing and that busyness equals effectiveness because we know that is not true. What we know that God wants from us is our walk with Him, not just our work for Him. And so I encourage you, pick some time this week, leave the house, go to a deserted place and pray that you would hear the voice of the Lord, that it would give clarity and direction to your lives. Don't just fill your calendar with meetings and planning and email and social media and all the pressures that you need. Make sure that there's margin in that calendar so that you can commune with God, hear the right direction and that you would know that you are fulfilling everything that he has for you. That's my one piece of advice for you today. I hope that helps. I know I need people in my life every once in a while reminding me of what's most important. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about who I'm becoming. I hope that helps. Well, to close out uh, this episode, I just wanted to give a couple of quotes from a recommended book. Every month I try to give a recommended book. This book is Replenish by um, Lance Witt. And actually, um, Dave, Pastor Dave, that just did the one piece of advice, gave me this book when I was in his office recording a, a episode in the, the earlier this season on culture. And just a solid, amazing guy. Uh, Replenish is called Leading from a Healthy Soul with Lance Witt. And uh, what I love about this book is the questions. They're short little chapters. Um, man, it's, you know, about 200 pages, uh, but it has, you know, three or four five, six, seven, 
at the most pages and then a, a whole bunch of questions. And it's just a great book. It's by Lance Witt. Uh, you can Google it, go on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but I would really recommend it. It's something that's great. You can go with through a team, one-on-one -on -one individually. And it just talks about the importance of taking care of your soul. That's right, ministry leader, church leader. God cares about your soul. If we're uh, not taking care of ourselves and seeking Jesus, we won't be able to uh, have ministry flow from the overflow of our heart. And so we need to make sure that we are healthy so that we can reproduce healthy sheep. Uh, and so let me give you just a taste of this book, a couple of amazing quotes that just encouraged me. There was obviously a lot more. Uh, I probably have Man, 40 quotes from this book. It's just so good, so solid. Uh, I really came to enjoy Lance Witt and the stuff he wrote and talked about and listened to a couple of podcasts and stuff by him. But um, he first says, and sort of in the beginning of the book, we have, we have, um, we've been scammed into believing that an insane pace is simply the price tag of an effective leadership of effective leadership um, and, and I just think that's so true we as ministry leaders church leaders sometimes we get caught up in this culture of do 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 so quick don't take days off we have to work 12 hours neglect our family do all this different stuff because we have, this is what it's going to take to be effective and the reality is that's not what's going to take to be effective the Holy Spirit has to do a work in people's hearts for us to be effective now, Jesus said if you abide in me you'll bear fruit we need to abide in Christ and within we'll be effective uh, not just being busy, we need to actually go to God and let Him do that work in us so He can do it through us. Uh, he, got, he goes on and says, One of the spiritual health questions every ministry leader must answer is, Am I willing to serve in the obscurity? Uh, it's so important that we do things for the Lord, not for other people. Paul said, if I was serving other people, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus. And oftentimes we get caught up in a pace and doing so much stuff to impress people when honestly, all we have to do is impress God. And uh, guess what? He lived a life we couldn't live. He's righteous. He gave us our righteousness. He loves us unconditionally. We don't have to do anything to earn His love. He's already given it. We love because He first loved us. And so it's okay to be in the shadows to continue to uh, just serve Him and not necessarily worry about what other people think. But we need to have people in our lives and, and, and have this journey together. Uh, Lance goes on and gives this quote, it's slower to lead with a group, but it is also healthier and wiser. And how true that is. You know, oftentimes we want to be mavericks and just go and visionary and just go ahead of people and stuff. But the reality is we want to do life with one another and it may be slower. The vision may take longer, but it's so much healthier. It's so wise to do things in community, and it really causes ministry to be a joy when you're doing things with people. Uh, he goes, you never drift into a deep friendship. Oftentimes, uh, we don't take the time to invest in deep friendship with our wives, with our children, with um, our friends. Uh, I just want to encourage you, man, if you're with a team and if you have people in your church, invest in them, love them, serve them, get to know them. Uh, God doesn't want you being isolated. He wants you in community, even as a ministry leader. Uh, number five, he says, the world or your ministry may not give you permission to stop, but God does. In fact, he has commanded that we stop and rest. And this is what the Bible calls Sabbath. Uh, and I would just again, recommend that every church leader take a 24-hour period to rest, to trust, and to enjoy God. We are only human beings. We are finite. He is infinite. He has all the resources, and God is sovereign, can take care of your ministry, can take care of your work, can take care of everything 
that is put in front of your plate uh, and you he gives you permission and commands you to rest and enjoy him we need to be taking time to enjoy him to practice sabbath uh, in another quote i only have a few more seven um, so this is number six too much noise and too much activity can be toxic to your soul can i get an a man uh, right now i'm on a social media break over the summer because i want to invest in a relationship and my kids are out of school and so I don't want to just be on my phone uh, sometimes I get so discouraged from a Sunday afternoon checking out all these churches and all these things everyone else is doing and I was super happy five minutes before I checked all that stuff out but yet when I compare it's hard and so I'm investing in relationships I'm just going and being content where God has placed me and just turning off the noise sometimes is really helpful uh, it's really helpful to know like man godliness plus contentment is great gain and God has given me great relationships I have an amazing church a group of people that I just love and care about and pray for and I see them growing and they love me and it is just a joy uh, the life that God has given me and so I want to be able to invest in the people that are there and sometimes I have to turn off the noise not just with social media with not watching a movie and talking take my wife on dates um, not listen to too much criticism not take myself too seriously sometimes you just got to cancel out the noise and not do too much and set a pace where you can enjoy God and enjoy the people he's given you in relationship all right lastly I hope these quotes are good for you giving you a little feel give a taste of this book Ultimately, he says, leadership is not about vision and strategy. It's about people. I just want to remind you, man, we are lead servants, right? We're church leaders. Well, we're serving God and his people. And so we are to lead. We are to serve as Jesus commanded us to love one another. And we need to be leaders in this area that it is not about just doing and task and vision and all this different stuff. God builds the church and we are under shepherds. We are to, um, man, just love the people that God has given us. Uh, the speed of our lives causes us to miss many people God wants us to notice. I don't know if you're responsible for a ministry team of three people. If your church is a few thousand people, a few hundred people, or uh, maybe like me, only a couple of dozen people. But you know what? Whoever God brings into your life, can we just try to love them? That's what ministry is about, man. That's what church leaders should be doing. We are to love God's people. What a privilege it is. Even if it's just one person, uh, that makes a difference. That truly, truly makes a difference. Um, it's just such a joy to serve God and His people. And so uh, Lance Witt, Replenish, uh, book Leading from a Healthy Soul. We want to talk about these things. I wanted to bring this book up as well in this session because we're talking about pastoral depression that we need to make sure and acknowledge that there is some effort that we need to do. We need to be seeking Jesus and his word. But ultimately, you know what? There are some things that we can't do. We, we, we can't control everything and we need to just rest and trust in God and finding a healthy pace and taking care of our own soul and our relationship with Jesus and letting ministry be an overflow of our heart uh, is going to help us in the long run. It's going to help us. Uh, don't give up. There is hope. God is with us and he cares about us and he doesn't want to crush us uh, in the sense of overwhelming. He wants to crush our flesh so his spirit could be alive in us. And so maybe you're not going through a season of depression, but maybe you can pray for your pastor. I would love for you to pray for those that are over you and ministry leaders. Pray for me, uh, spiritual 
battle is real. We are in a fight and we need one another. And so if you're going through something, man, open up, shoot out, email out to me at daniel at eeleaders.com or reach out to your pastor or other people you may know. Uh, we're praying for you. We love you. On the next episode, I'm going to do an interview with my friend, Will Torres, who's planning a church in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida. He's my mentoree. Uh, we just did a year-long internship uh, with him, a church residency internship at Redemption Church, Delray Beach, and he did just a great job. And we're going to get real and do an interview and talking about dealing with anxiety because you may not go through a heavy depression, but I think everyone, especially in our culture, is dealing with uh, anxious thoughts and anxiety and just stress of pressure and, and all this different stuff happening. And so he has a great testimony, a great story. And so I just milked the interview. We talked for a long time and just, I think it's going to be beneficial for us to bring up this subject to say, hey, we're not alone and just discuss it to see an example that you can still be used by God even when you're struggling, even when you're going through discouragement, uh, even when you're living this real life. Amen. And so next week we will see you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope this was an encouragement and I hope that you can understand there is hope in Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.